Christian Ritchie here with your daily takeaway. Uh, and we, we just want to tell you about a situation that's building mm. that uh, in the relationship that we have, we want we want to talk about it openly and honestly. Almost like we're sitting down with some, uh, you know, uh, what would you call it? Counsellors. Counsellors yeah. to talk it through because we're, we're concerned about it as well. Uh, Richie, will explain the situation for you. Uh, the situation is this. I'm a fan of Arsenal Football Club. You may know that if you regularly listen to this. Bush is a fan of Everton Football Club. You'll also probably know that. Um, both teams have had differing seasons. Thank you for putting it politely. Uh, I'm not. I'm not here in the business of of, of mockery. We're just stating facts. Just, yeah, exactly. Again, councillors, uh, it's absolutely fine. We've talked this through. Um, Everton's league position is 18th out of the 20 in the Premier League. Yep. Uh, and also known as bottom three. <laughs> Known in the business as bottom I'm three. around this so carefully. You are, you are. And Very the, careful language. The bottom three drop out of the Premier League at the end of the season. I know how it works. <laughs> um, Arsenal are fourth out of the 20 uh, in the division and the top four teams qualify for Europe's premier uh, competition, the Champions League next season. Um, but that's not all done and dusted because uh, our rivals, Arsenal, Tottenham, uh, are in fifth place and they're very, very close. Now... Here's what we are working towards. We've done the maths, and there could be a situation where we get to the last game of the season, which for Arsenal will be Everton, for Everton will be Arsenal, so our teams are playing each other on the final game of the Premier League season. We could have a situation where Arsenal need to win that game, and we need to win that game to even stay in the league. So Arsenal might want to try and achieve their their dream of playing in the Champions League, yeah. uh, but uh, that would mean at the the, the loss of Everton from the yeah. Premier League and we'll get relegated. So Richie's team could relegate my team mm. on the final day of the season. Which... I, and I don't know what that would do to our relationship. I feel sick at the thought of it. I can't even bear it. It's, it's like um, it's like Squid Game, where you like choose made to fight against one of your good friends here's, in, in, in your underpants. Here's a piece of punditry, OK? Here's, here's a question for you, trivia question. Which are the only two teams that once promoted to the top division in England have never been relegated. I know. Us, us slot. Yeah. And then that is going to be down to one fairly soon. Well, it might not be. Watch this space, guys. But if you have any any ideas of, like, how we can work through this, maybe we need to go on, like, a uh, like a... Like an away weekend or uh, further counselling. Well, we're willing to look at anything. How do we deal with this situation? Hometime at absolutelyradio.co.uk. The Daily Takeaway. Bush and Richie's Daily Takeaway. We uh, want to tell you about a secret organisation that is out there. Uh, we want to use our platform on this Home Time show, a privileged platform, to warn you all about it. There are people out there of a common interest. Uh, they do something at home that you would never know about. And I'm talking about brothers, sisters, solicitors, architects, nurses, doctors, dentists, that kind of thing. People who look like you and I, but they hide a dark, dark secret. And you know what they're secretly doing? They're walking around wearing Crocs. That's right, folks. Hundreds of secret croc wearers are walking around out there in the United Kingdom as we speak. I mentioned it just briefly in passing on Twitter the other day, thinking that crocs were like a thing of the past, like a fad from age, like global hypercolour T-shirts or something. Do you remember them? Mm. But it seems that they're still alive and well. And you wouldn't believe the amount of people who came out of the woodwork, not only with photos of their crocs, bold as brass, but just talking about how many different pairs they've got and that they... Using phrases like, I swear by my Crocs, that kind of thing. 
And we thought it might be a good idea just to get a kind of sense of how many active croc wearers we have out there in the wild right now, so that maybe like endangered puffins or whatever, we can give them a little ankle tag, because we just need to know numbers, don't we? This is the problem. You, you, you think you know someone, you think you know what their croc status is, uh, you know, you might be mates with them, you spend time at work, you see them down the pub, and then you invite them out to something socially. Maybe they come to a barbecue at yours for the weekend, yeah. and they get out the car, and they walk down the driveway and... They're wearing Crocs. Catch that little glimpse. And you don't want to look at them too long in case they've clocked that you've clocked them. Yeah. Your mate, you go to the cinema with the big fireman fella. James, yeah. Imagine you realise, you know, you, you just, you, maybe he's dropping you off off the back of his uh, Harley Davidson and he goes into the porch <laughs> and you see a pair of Crocs tucked in there. What he's, are you thinking? He's not putting fires out in Crocs. But you don't know that. No, he's you not, don't know. Secret society, mate. <laughs> so I'm about to text him. Well, just text him now, find out, because this is the thing, folks. You never really know. So we want to run on in this first hour of home time tonight, and please get involved. This is part of your kind of, I guess, democratic right to do this. Uh, we want to do a croc ownership audit. So don't be scared. Step forward. If you own crocs, 8, 12, 15, it's just a tiny little metal ankle tag, and then we geolocate you. Why do crocs have holes, says this text. Oh, yeah. It's to let your dignity seep out. <laughs> now, we need to be, look, we need to be impartial about this, because... I've never worn... I've never put my foot in a pair of Crocs. A very responsible thing for you to say there. Me neither. I, I don't own any. I've never worn any. I've never tried any on. Um, and I think it would also be fair to say... I've looked at the weather forecast. Hitting 22 degrees by the weekend. All right, and you, obviously, you're, you're always out there jet-washing stuff in your yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, I love jet-washing. Would you jet-wash in a pair of... If, if these turn out to be all right, would you consider jet-washing I would them? take what the feedback is today, because I would. you'd have to say it's not sensible footwear, you know. When you're jet-washing, bits of grit fly up and all that kind of stuff. I generally jet-wash in boots. That's, not, uh, that's a lovely mental image. Okay. I'll take that with me from tonight's show. <laughs> Knee-high. Um, so... Let's, let's be like David uh, Attenborough during this. So let's, let's watch the wildlife, yeah. but not necessarily make any... He doesn't get involved, does he, he doesn't David? judge, does he? He doesn't move a snail out no, the way of, like, a raccoon if it's going to eat it. <laughs> Poor example. Uh, Celia says, uh, these bad boys arrived last week. She sent us a photo of her Crocs comfiest thing on earth. Martin says, my brother owns three. Two for... Listen to this. The, the, the bare-faced cheek of this guy. Two for outside, one for indoors. Lol. Uh, but look, there, there you go. Martin judging his brother at the end by going lol. I know he's laughing at him, yeah. looking down his nose at him. Trevor Atkins uh, has tweeted us to make us uh, aware of some high-heeled Crocs... No way. ..that are on the market. It looks like a lady's high-heeled shoe, uh, but it is... It's very definitely a Croc. It's got the little holes, it's got the little back strap, but it's got a stiletto heel at the back. This stuff's going on, you wouldn't even I know. know. It's I of know. Lovecraftian proportions, these secret societies. Uh, Pete from Bath says, I own a pair, wear them all the time. It's my WFH... Footwear of choice, better than slippers. Work from home footwear of choice. Wow. This is, shows how far it's spread. We've got Leslie on the line. Leslie, you're a croc owner. What do you own? OK, so crocs are perfect gardening shoes. They're fabulous because the, the dirt that ends up in your feet just slips out the holes. But they're completely unacceptable in any other um, situation. Interesting. Right. Tell us about your pair that you've got. Have you got more than one pair? Or, and what colour are they? Oh, no. Oh, no. One pair and they're green. For gardening. Okay. 
Now, I am aware that for me, this could be my gateway to Crocs because I love my lawn, I love my gardening, and this is this is a shoe that could live out on the decking. It would never have to come Absolutely. inside, and if it rains outside, yep. I don't have to worry about getting it in. But I can just see it slipping, as Leslie's alluding to there. It's a slippery slope. Oh, I'll just pop round the corner to the shops and them. Oh, I've got my Crocs on. I may as well stay, <laughs> stay as I am. Next thing you know, you're wearing might, them to, like, a team night out on a Friday. It might happen. You might end up going to the garden centre in them. It will happen. Watch this space. <laughs> Cheers, Leslie. No worries. This is by no means uh, the only text that has come in like this, saying there are a lot of chefs that wear crocs in the kitchen. Oh, right. This one goes on to say, there are specialist crocs called bistro crocs that have no holes for chefs. Bistro crocs. Now, you see... I would imagine the kitchen, obviously, a very hot place, very busy place, important place. A little bit like a radio studio. Well, yeah, in terms of uh, being running around, having to do stuff on the fly. Exactly, Are yeah. you suggesting that it might be might be good for what we do here on this? We said at the beginning we'd stay open-minded. Yeah, I mean, I had a tumble just the other day getting, you know, uh, hot drinks in the kitchen. Exactly. If I was wearing Bisto Crocs, that wouldn't be a thing, would it? <laughs> Bistro. Uh, Andy in Coventry says, in and out of the hot tub only for his Crocs. Just a just a calibre of the kind of people we're dealing with here. <laughs> and Tomo says, gents, I feel the need to out my best friend of 15 years and his Croc-donning feet. We're in the twilight of our 20s and he feels it's necessary to own a pair as a, and say they're the comfiest footways ever owned. 99% sure they're hand-me-downs from his father-in-law. Going to chat to Craig, who's got in touch about the Crocs of TikTok. Um, Craig, how has TikTok helped you with your love for Crocs? Um, I've got over 1.7 million views because I've posted a video of saying they had two pairs of Crocs with multiple charms in them. What, as in what? Charm as in what? In the Crocs. You know, you put in the holes. But what, what are the, what charms? Just random stuff. <laughs> okay. So what he's put like, you, know, you might get on a Pandora bracelet, you've put like charms yeah. into, give me an example of one thing that you've put into the holes in your Crocs. Well, like, they're like, some little shame like burgers and french fries and I've got, um, so, so is this a little bit like on Blockbusters when like they bought like little gonks to sit alongside as lucky mementos? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Like Pandora charms, but for your feet. Okay, so because neither of us are really into TikTok at the moment, but that's the kind of stuff that's going on over on TikTok. One point seven million people watching you stick charms in the holes in your Crocs. Yeah, that's all I said was I've got two pairs of Crocs with multiple charms, and it got one point seven million views. I reckon I'm all right. <laughs> If you want to go and watch the video, my, my name's Cindy's Dadder. Okay. <laughs> all right, then. All right, we'll do it on the train. Train home. Thanks, Craig. All right, see ya. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. Amazing sports story from over the weekend. Uh, Mo Farah making his return to uh, competitive running after uh, an 11-month break, uh, taking part in the Vitality London 10K. Uh, 16,000 people uh, running around the uh, streets of London. Of course, uh, Mo Farah, uh, previously uh, an Olympic uh, winner. This is his event. Huge. 10K. Uh, and he came second uh, to uh, a bloke called Ellis Cross. Wish uh, he was called Barry Ball. <laughs> came, came second. Ellis Cross, uh, 25 years old from Warwickshire. He's had to pay 
to get in. Pay 37 quid entry fee to run in this. Mo's not paying to get in this event. That is on, but that's like me like uh, beating Jimmy White at snooker or something. <laughs> it's exactly, very, very uh, topical Current. reference. I was trying to think of snooker players and I just don't know any of them. <laughs> well done on Jimmy White because he did play snooker back in the day. You're quite right. <laughs> but I just think it's an amazing story. you got all these people that are turning out to, to watch the runners around the streets of London uh, and they're all wanting to obviously cheer on Mo for a win. Yeah. And Ellis is like, well, it's going all right. He, he works in a shoe shop, this guy. So does this mean like he... Well, the people who normally would, say, be caught in Mo Farah, like, uh, you know, one in the sponsor room and that, is, it, is this big time for him now, do you think? You'd hope so for Ellis. He might uh, might be able to leave his trainer shop that he works in and all that kind of stuff. Late bid for the Olympics or something. But it's amazing. Like, you know, it's not what people are expecting. Have you ever got one up on a on a celebrity? I re- this is a very... It's a niche question, but it has happened to me. Not Jimmy White again. <laughs> not Jimmy White. Kefalonia Airport. Uh, late... I've been there myself. It's a nice airport. <laughs> nice, nice airport. Not very many luggage trolleys. Late 90s, I beat Lenny Henry to the last luggage trolley. Oh, but he hated that as well. <laughs> Have some of that, Lenny. One up on Lenny Henry, I got. All right, I was in the coffee shop just across the road that's now defunct, yes. the Nordic Cafe or whatever it's called. There was a big queue of people there. I was kind of at the back of the queue. They weren't concentrating. You know when people are in the queue but they're not concentrating yep. on the phone? This bloke wasn't concentrating, so I just nipped in ahead and said, can I have a latte to go, please? And he looked a bit miffed. And it was only when I was having my latte poured and handed to me, I realised the guy that I wound up and got in ahead of was none other than ex-Charlton boss Alan Kirbishley. There you go. I think he was here to do rock and roll football. <laughs> one up on a celebrity. If you have got one up on a celebrity, uh, you don't have to have beaten them in a road race. No, no. You could have, uh, I don't know, got a parking space ahead of them or whatever. Uh, so have Crazy. you ever got one up on a celebrity? Mark has tweeted uh, saying, I studiously ignored Dion Dublin looking for recognition in Ikea on Wednesday. Does that count? I. It's good of you to share. I'd say it doesn't count unless you bought the last occasional table that Dion Dublin was also wanting to buy. Or maybe you'd had the final uh, meatballs. Exactly. Dion wanted them. So sorry, Mark, but thanks for taking part. Uh, I was reaching for a, a hypothetical get one over on a celebrity situation earlier on. Don't really know my snooker players. Mentioned Jimmy White. Uh, thought that would just be people taking the mickey out. But Ross has just tweeted now saying a mate of mine actually did beat Jimmy White at pool. No way. So there's, <laughs> it's a thing. My apologies, you were so right. It's a thing. When you do a marathon, right, obviously you've got all them proper runners at the front. No offence to you guys at the back no or whatever. Offense. Are you allowed to, like, just, like, absolutely, like, really just run and go for it for the first 15 minutes? Just get ahead of them for a you bit. You can do so it So you if can you lead want. it for a bit. You can do it if you want. It's an awful strategy, <laughs> but you can do that. Hey, going back to the uh, Jimmy White thing, saying earlier on about, um, you know... Uh, it was an old cultural reference point, Jimmy White. Another person's beating Jimmy White here. You're kidding. Peter Morphus been on. <laughs> Speaking of Jimmy White, I beat him at pool in a hotel in Telford about 15 years ago. Let's not turn this into a beating Jimmy White at snooker or pool contest, thank you very there much. There is a pattern developing, though, that's for <laughs> there sure. There is. Uh, Nigel, a celebrity that you got one up on. Johnny Herbert. Oh, so he's a racing car driver. Well, he was, yes. Absolutely, yeah. I raced him down the aisle in Tesco, Stratford-on-Avon. I could right. see he's just about finished his shopping, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to beat him to the checkout. So I, had, I hadn't finished, but I had just had to do it. So <laughs> legged you down the other aisle, got to the checkout, in front of him, done. This would Brilliant. be more of a story and more of an achievement if you'd beaten him to the exit in the car park, not necessarily oh. beaten him with a shopping trolley in the aisle. Well, I probably would have done, actually, because he was in a horse box. He, he was what? <laughs> in a horse box? No, he wasn't in the horse box. He was 
He was driving a horse. Right. This is uh, this story's getting weirder by the second. <laughs> His career's taken a turn from Formula One to horse boxes. What's he doing in there? Well, his mother-in-law lives locally and is into horses. Nigel, you're a fountain of information. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Craig is hanging on. He hasn't taken on uh, Jimmy White. Uh, Craig, what's the one-upmanship, please? I got one up on uh, middle-distance running legend Brendan Foster. Wow. Wow, the man of the Great North Run and uh, commentator mm-hmm. and, and athlete. What, where did you get one up on him? So I took uh, it took my mum to the live theatre in Newcastle to watch a show for her birthday and we uh, twigged on quite early on before the show that he was sat in the row behind us. Uh, so when, when the show ended and we sort of shuffled towards the end of the row, it sort of just came over that I had to beat him to the top of the stairs. Uh, so... <laughs> I shoved a few people out of the way, jumped to the top of the stairs and sort of had a smoke, smoke grin to myself even though nobody else in the entire building included. Very much not Brendan Foster and also not my mum had a clue what I was playing But, at. but you can technically uh, say you have beaten, beaten Brendan Foster in a foot race up some stairs. I have beaten Brendan Foster in a foot race, that is a fact. <laughs> I wish at the top of the stairs there was a couple of stewards holding like a ribbon for you to burst through. That would have been amazing. Uh, yeah, well, I was very proud of myself. <laughs> I beat Jensen Button, the Formula One driver in a triathlon, says, <laughs> says this text. I wish I'd shouted meow as I passed him on the bike. Uh, we are after uh, celebrities that you've got one up on in, in any way, shape or form. I mean, you know, Jensen's not known for his biking skills. There's a, there's a few celebs being caught on what I'd say wouldn't be their kind of thing they're famous for, which I mean, is unfair, isn't it? Exactly, and he doesn't even know... Well, I mean, he's in a triathlon, so he should know he's in some kind of race, but he doesn't know the other fellow was, like, no, taking him on. But we do applaud the pettiness that we're seeing this evening. We love that. Darren from New Malden, listen to this. As petty as you like, but I love it. I was in the David Lloyd at Rains Park. <laughs> Just finished my workout, <laughs> then shower. I wanted to stay behind to snatch the Spurs match. I think he meant watch. Uh, it was first. I was first to sit down and watch it. Rodney Marsh turned up with some of his friends mm-hmm. and asked if he could turn it over to watch the other game. I said no. I was there first. <laughs> he wasn't too impressed, but watched the Spurs match and we won three-two. The other game ended as a nil-nil draw. Rodney said afterwards, "I think fair play. We watched the better game in the end." <laughs> I love that. Uh, so we've had some brilliant stories. Keep them coming in. Particularly Jimmy White. We're looking for any any stories of people beating Jimmy White at snooker or pool. Uh, but we do have Jenny Jenny on the line right now. Uh, Jenny, which celebrity did you get one up on? It was uh, Sid Owen, who was. <laughs> Ricky in EastEnders. Yes. Right. And uh, I was in charge of boarding one of his flights one day back in the early 2000s and he was the only one that wouldn't board and he was the other side of the departure lounge on his mobile phone and I kept putting out more and more announcements, getting more and more irate and becoming more and more like Bianca. Um, <laughs> And eventually he sort of looked up and I thought that's enough. So I just went over and I'd, I'd like to say tapped him on the shoulder, but I might possibly have hit him a little bit. And you said, hit Ricky you from EastEnders. You're playing now, you're not going. And I'm not from London, but it still came across like that. <laughs> There's vibes to get out of my pub and I absolutely love it. <laughs> well, funny enough, I was brought up in a pub and I worked at the airport. So combine a pub and an airport and... Ricky, what else was I supposed to do? Hey, well, no wonder those planes got <laughs> off on time, eh? Absolutely. Hey, I was I was the chief departure girl. I was the best one ever. If you weren't nice to me, you're not getting on the plane. I like that. It's <laughs> menacing. Used to call me, 
Yeah, they used to call me Jenny from the Gate rather than Jenny from the Block. I was <laughs> Jenny from the Gate. Honest to God, yeah. Uh, Rob uh, tweets, I beat Jonathan Edwards in the long jump. That is yes. not one that I did think was going to come. Uh, he says, uh, whilst he was the world and Olympics champion and world record holder in the not dissimilar triple jump, however, mine was on the Wii, oh, mine was on the Wii Fit at a conference. Still counts. Where he was an ambassador for my company and uh, was going to sponsor the 2012 Olympics in London. In your face, do-gooder. <laughs> uh, James in Rugby says, Bush and Ritchie, I took Roy Hattersley's parking space at a hotel he was staying at. <laughs> This could be the best one yet. The hotel was my pre-wedding accommodation that I was staying at with the best men. Roy was standing in the parking spot with his Jack Russell. It wasn't until after I yelled, get out of the way, that I recognised him. <laughs> so, I mean, James isn't here to ask the details, but oh, was man. Roy trying to keep his space by st- st- standing there with the Jack Russell while someone else went and got the car and parked up? What's going on? It's a on? very unconventional way. But, you know, like sometimes like with your parents, like, my, my mum will stand in the spot and my dad will go and get the car. <laughs> we can only speculate that's can what was speculate. going on. Yep. Uh, Colin, one-upmanship. Who was it you uh, you got one over? Ollie Mears. Oh! You got one up on Ollie Mears. Do tell. Pray tell, Colin. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I was a police officer working in Pontypridd um, at a show called The Full Ponty, and Ollie was their headliner Love act. Love it. Um, I was having my break, and it was in the VIP tent food. So I was in the queue. They had a lovely lamb curry there. So I thought, oh, I'll have a piece of lamb curry. Moments later, Ollie Mears and his entourage came in. Yeah. And I walked off and curry, and they said, sorry, it's all gone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So he sat opposite me. Um, after I finished my food, I got up and I said, to be honest, Ollie, I said it was cracking. <laughs> <laughs> just to rub it in a little bit more. So just to clarify then, your one-up on Ollie Mers was that you had uh, the, the lamb curry that he had his eye on. I did indeed, yes. Ah, oh, Colin, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. <laughs> that's a great pleasure, lad. Thanks very much. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. We are honoured and uh, enthused by the fact that it seems that live music is making a big return. And, of course, Enter Stage Left, ten weeks of tickets is back. What about that? Uh, yeah, we have your chance to see the Killers at the Emirates Stadium, the home of football uh, in London. There <laughs> <he goes. laughs> I had to. I had to. That's a I love the Killers, and that is a venue I'd love to go and see. It. Why can they come and play at Goodison Park? There'd be a floating dog over the crowd and some blue smoke. <laughs> Even if you've forgotten what the killers are like, though, and you think, oh, I'm not too sure if I want to go to this, have a listen to this. Well, somebody told me you had a boyfriend and we all just run away. Killers Live... Emirates Stadium in London this summer. That's just the start. We've got ten weeks worth of this uh, here on this Hometime Show, on the Dayberry Breakfast Show as well. Uh, but it's the Killers right now, so if you want to go, your chance to play our game, Who Claims Wins? That's how we're going to give you the chance to win the tickets. On the line, hoping to win tickets. Online one, we have Chinny. Chinny, how are you doing? How's your Tuesday been? Yeah, it's uh, good to be home. Um... Long day at work, teaching, so, but yeah, all going well now. All right, you have a nice ho- uh, bank holiday and everything as well? Yeah, good, not bad. Didn't rain all day, so I'll take that as a positive, out and about. Chinny is glass half full. Yeah, I like that. Glass <laughs> half full, fella, Chinny. Stay there a second. On the other line, competing against uh, Chinny is Donna. How you do? How you doing, Donna? You all right? 
I'm fine, thank you. How are you? We're good. Are you glass half full, like Chinny, or glass oh, half no, empty? My glass is empty. It's all been drunk. Wow. Well, I mean, that sounds like a nice weekend anyway. It does. <laughs> I think that's probably the same for most people. Good to have you both on board playing this game. Right, listen carefully to the rules. We will give you a random topic that has many possible answers. Chinny, you will have to say how many answers you think you could give in 30 seconds. Donna, you will then have the opportunity to claim if you think you could name more or less than Chinny. And whoever thinks they could claim more will then have 30 seconds to do just that. And if they manage it, they'll win the tickets. If they don't, they lose the tickets to the other player. Let's play. Who claims win? Right then, here we go. Chinny, the question is this. How many killer songs to hit the UK top 40 can you name in 30 seconds? Uh, can I just check if I make a bid and then Donna bids higher? Can I bid higher again? You will oh, get yes. a chance, yes. Right, uh, I'll go four to start with. I'm going four. Donna, uh, do you think you can name more or do you want to challenge Chinny to do his four? I'll go six. Okay, Ooh. six. Uh, Chinny, uh, do you want uh, Donna to back up her claim or can you go higher than six? Does Chinny rack on? He can do more. Yes. Oh. Uh, I'll go seven. You're going to go seven, Donna. Can you go higher than seven, or do you want Chinny to go and do it? In a challenge. All right, yes. Chinny, you've got thirty seconds to do those seven songs, and your time starts now. Somebody told me, Mr. Brightside, Bones. Um, when you were young, um, space, um, uh, runaways, um, this atomic bomb, um, Jenny was a friend of mine, um, how many have I done? Um, um, imploding the mirage, um... Time is up. Time is up. Chinny. You've named you've named many songs, but of ones that were actually in the top forty in the UK, you named five. You claimed seven, so I'm afraid, my friend, uh, that means by default, Donna, you are off to go and see the Killers Ooh. live at the Emirates Stadium in London. Brilliant, thank you. What about that? Your, your glass is empty because you drunk it all and didn't even have to do anything. I know. <laughs> So turn that frown upside down. Let's have a bit more positivity from you, Donna, all right? Because things are going your way. So great, yeah. Woo! The Daily Takeaway. Bush and Richie's Daily Takeaway. Just been thinking throughout uh, today's uh, Daily Takeaway about the other scenario, actually, at the end of the season. And that is that Everton get their win mm-hmm. uh, and stay up in the Premier League next season, depriving Arsenal of their triumphant tour around Europe next season. How, how uh, at the top table, you know, just taking a break from the gravy train and gold cutlery, how, how would that make you feel there with your, your doilies and uh, <laughs> crushed velvet suits up the top there? I'm excited about the thought of the, the glorious tour around Europe. I know, but, like, you know, all, like, rich, top people, yeah. the aristocracy, which yes. is what Arsenal are compared to us, us down at the bottom, please, sir, can have some more. It's good to do charitable work, isn't it? 